you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Morning, church. If you're following along, as was read from chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 35 onwards. For more than three years, Jesus has been presenting himself to the Jewish people as their Messiah. Proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom of God that is in him and through him. Now, during those years, he faced the recurring theme throughout his ministry of unbelief, hatred, hostility, and rejection from the Jewish religious leaders. So, as we come to this portion of scripture, Jesus is making his final appeal to the Jewish people of Israel. It is the Lord's final call to accept him and his teaching. In verse 34, the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of a Man? Jesus responds with another title that goes with what he's about to teach. The Son of Man is the light of the world. Jesus answered that question before when he healed the blind man. By saying, when the blind man asks, who is this? He says, you have seen him. You have seen the Son of Man. And he is who is speaking to you. For Bible students... The Son of Man is, a, is Jesus' heavenly title in Daniel, who has been given eternal rule over the world, as Isaiah 9-7 described. Jesus said in, to them in verse 35, The light is among you for a little while longer. That is for then, and it's for today as well. As we go through this message. The Lord knew that only a short time remained for the people to hear and experience him before his departure. And his hearers should take advantage of the opportunity they have to accept upon his act, to act and accept his teaching, for the day of salvation for them was drawn to a close. And those who fail to appropriate him as the light of the world will end up in a dreadful, dark state. Before electricity, in ancient time, people traveled during day daylight hours, where they could see clearly and walk safely. The Lord likened those who failed to heed his warning 
to be travelers caught out after nightfall, lost in the pitch of darkness of a starless, moonless night. Some of you who were born a long time ago, you don't have to raise your hands, have experienced what it's like to walk in the night without light. So in this portion of the scripture, the Lord likened himself to the sunlight in his invitation. The sun rises in the morning, reaches its peak at noon, and descends over the horizon in the evening. The sunlight is only with us for a limited number of hours. And people, what Jesus is saying, people must avail themselves to it. Because when the light comes... When the light comes and gone and the night comes, they will not have the benefit of its brightness. So he said, as we go down to the scripture, walk in the light. Walk while you have the light. Open your eyes, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he or she is going. Jesus invites people to make use of their opportunity before it's too late. All who believe and walk in Christ are the ones who will be able to have direction of life and as to how to live without stumbling through life. In life, we carry around with from time to time with a degree of anxiety, stress, and pressure. Jesus promised that he will take the burdens of life in exchange for restful souls. Come unto me, he said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is not just to believe, but Jesus is calling sinners to hook up with him in their daily walk. He says, come along, come along with me. Let's walk together. When believers are walking the light, they will have clarity, direction, and purpose in life. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. In other words, what's going on here? They are divinely satisfied. They will have a sense of stability and vitality despite the worst of circumstances. And they will still flourish as they walk in the light. Come unto me, he said. Now along with the believers having a direction and a purpose in life here on earth, the believer has the assurance of life beyond the grave. Living with Jesus, the light of the world, forever and ever. 
In contrast to those who are walking in darkness without Christ, do not know where they are going. They lack divine guidance and stumbles through life. So while the light is in the hearer's presence, Jesus is calling people to believe in the light. Because with his impending death, fast approaching, he's saying to his hearers, here is an opportunity for you, for the blind, to receive spiritual sight. He said earlier, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The only way for his hearers to avoid being lost in spiritual darkness is to believe in him and his teaching while he's around. For the day will come when the light will go out. So believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. How you become sons of light is a question we should ask ourselves. You have to believe in the light and walk in the light. They go hand in hand. And Jesus calling on people to become bearers of him. Radiating God's glory in Christ and pointing others to the truth that he teaches. Now how do the sons of light radiate light? By the great commission, that's where it begins. By the great commission into the world, making disciples. By being his hands and feet, doing ministries here and abroad. In the ministry outside the world, wells for clean water have been raised up. Mission in the missionary fields, building schools, dispensaries, helping people to develop their lifestyle, feed the poor and the needy, and many other things. That is done in the name of Jesus Christ. In verse 36, Jesus, after saying these things, He is the light, walk in the light, believe in the light, become sons of the light, marks the ends of His public ministry to Israel, and He hid Himself from the crowd. He's gone. He said what He had to say. And he hid himself. At this point, John picks it up. And he summarizes Jesus' ministry. And in verse 37, he said, Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Now, to set the stage for what is to follow, it is clear to keep in our minds that God is compassionate. He is not cruel. The invitation is given out to all. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. At the same time, God is not caught by surprise with those who would not take his offer with impending judgment to follow. God is not caught by surprise. He knows what's going to happen. Those who heard and reject Jesus' words 
will be judged. For they saw the miracles, heard the message, examined the ministry, and yet refused to comply. Throughout human history, God has shown remarkable tolerance with the entire nation of people who rejected him. He's in the habit of doing that all the time. God does not take delight in his judgment, for God is love. God is compassionate and full of grace. At the same time, he's a righteous and a holy God, and he has to judge sin. He gave the people the days of Noah 120 years to make adjustments to their life before bringing the flood. He showed a lengthy delay in his judgment of the Canaanites. He said to Abraham, For the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete before the Israelites moved into the promised land. God is a fair judge. In Acts 17.30, the apostle declared to the Greek philosopher in Athens that God had overlooked the times of ignorance. And what he's saying to them there, the clock stops at this point for them. Smart enough. Many today are not ignorant of Jesus. Of who Jesus is, but are still holding off. The question is being asked often, why is God waiting so long to bring judgment upon this world? The answer is because He's a compassionate and loving God, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. God is giving time, a lot of time. And when we look at Verses 37 go on to 43. Although Jesus demonstrated his claims with power and authority through miraculous works, from water to wine, he heals the sick, the lame walk, the blind see, he fed multitudes with two fish and five loaves, walk on the water, raise the dead after four days, Knowing the minds of the people when you reveal the secret things of the woman at the well. John also tells us that Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Jesus revealed himself so clearly, and still the Jewish people and the people today refused his invitation to believe in him, to walk in the light and be saved from eternal damnation. So we're doing it today too. You know, too often we look at the Bible and we read about the Jewish people, but people are doing the same thing today. Today many know the truth, have been attending church, have been hearing the word of God being taught, yet pushing Jesus aside for a later time. And they are in danger of never making that decision. That's the hurtful part. They are in danger 
of never making that decision. Unbelief in the Jewish crowd was not caused by any lack of evidence when the light was among them. They experienced him. They saw him. The Lord had given convincing proof of his deity, which John reported from Isaiah's vision. They wanted a king to deliver them from the Roman oppression and to rule over them, but not a savior to deliver them from the sin's power. They don't want to go there. The Apostle John listed two causes for Israel's unbelief. One is a divine one, and the other is an earthly one. Divine judgment and human responsibility. Both of which work in culmination with unbelief. The people of that day, unbelief was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. In spite of all the clear evidence that was presented to them, the nation would still not believe. And as the scripture says, the arm of the Lord has been revealed to them in great power, yet they choose to close their eyes on him. I came into my own, he said, and my own received me not. So pressing the truth is a very dangerous thing to do. We, we know how this ends up in Romans 1. When they knew the truth and suppresses it, God brings judgment. He hand them over to darkened hearts. Go live in darkness, spiraling their lives into eternal damnation. Go do it. Go ahead. Mess things up. He hand them over to darkened hearts. Their judgment of God is in line with the consequence of their own choices. Their judgment of God is in line with the consequences of their own choices. The danger is, when someone persistently rejects Jesus, the sun will set on them. The sun will go down. God will ultimately remove His grace and judge them with a calloused heart. The Bible teaches that God's Spirit will not strive with man. So, how do we look at this? If you are in a habit of putting Jesus off, you cannot guarantee that the Spirit of God will keep convicting you. You cannot guarantee that. The scripture says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because after a while, the heart will become callous, very difficult to penetrate. In Hebrews 6, has stern warnings that those who tasted God's word and refused to eat, the food will be taken away. We come to church, we hear the message, 
we fellowship among believers, you have tasted and yet not given your life to Jesus. It's a serious thing. And here is the tragedy. When people start to resist the light of the truth, something begins to happen. They will come to a place where they cannot believe anymore. This is called judicial blindness. That God permits to come over the eyes and harden the hearts of people who do not take the truth seriously over time. It's the people's fault of ongoing, deliberate choice before God hardened their hearts. Pharaoh illustrates this very well. Ten times he keeps hardening hearts, hardening his hearts from God's messenger Moses before God responded tenfold. He did it first. And God said, okay, here is it now, tenfold. Judicial blindness is inevitable to those who refuse to believe in Jesus so that they could not believe anymore. That's the disaster. That's the danger. We love to talk about God is a loving God and how true that is. But God is a fair and a just God as well. What you are will, unwilling to do, you will be unable to do. What you are unwilling to do, you will be unable to do. With the light of the world. In verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw God's glory and spoke of him. He's referring to Isaiah 6-9 when King Uzziah died. He saw the Lord. Now in verse 42, in verse 42, it reads, Nevertheless, Many, even of the authorities, believed in him. They came to the truth. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. The religious authorities had already decreed that the people will be excommunicated from the religious and social life. For anyone who confesses Jesus as Messiah, and we can go back to 9.42, will be put out. Tragically, the self-exalting religion that comes with a prestigious position in this synagogue refused Jesus Christ. And it's no different from what people do today when it comes to their social status. It's no different. 
They are embarrassed to let people know that they are believers in Jesus. Isaiah 7, 9 reads, If you are not formed in faith, you will not be formed at all. And Matthew 16, 26, What shall a man give in return for his souls? Jesus said, They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Again in John 5, 44, How can you believe, Jesus speaking, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? A little longer. In Matthew 10. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Straight cut word of God. Jesus gets to the point all the time. He doesn't play around. Where there is true faith, there will be confession of Christ sooner or later. And here it is. Romans 10, 9, 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses to Jesus Christ. And is saved. Looking at this carefully, these authorities were not genuinely saved. They believe it's the truth, but not even their mouth will open to confess Jesus. They didn't intend to stand the test and the persecution that comes with it. Of being thrown out of a synagogue and lose that prestigious position, status. Generally speaking... When Christ is really accepted as Savior, one does not hesitate to make it known, regardless of the consequences. And we see that from Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. They move through with what they believe. They weren't afraid to be put out of the synagogue. And look at verse 44. Then Jesus cried out, John is still ongoing, summarizing Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. This emphasizes the union with God the Father and Jesus and the impossibility of believing in the Father apart from believing in Jesus whom God sent. It goes together. No one can believe in the Father unless they give equal honor to Jesus Christ. Doesn't fit with God's plan or who God is and who Jesus is. 
Nobody can see God the Father. He is spirit and therefore invincible, invisible. Jesus came into the world to reveal what God is like. Philip had a problem in John 14. Lord, he's, he's talking to Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. How did Jesus respond? Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. What do we see here with Jesus' words? Jesus' message did not originate by him, but by God the Father who sent him and is in him. The light of the world. Therefore, whoever has seen Jesus has seen God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, as the canon of Scripture closes with Revelation. In verse 46, he said, I have, I have come into the world as light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Apart from Christ, men and women are in the deepest of darkness. They do not have clarity, purpose, and right understanding of life, death, and eternity. But those who come to Christ in faith lives in the light of truth. For Jesus said in John 12, 31, going back in that verse, now the rule of this world will be cast out. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We became sons and daughters of the light. And we ought to radiate the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit because of the truth. Colossians 1.13. In verse 47. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. According to John's report, the Lord make a shift from words of blessing to the dire consequence of unbelief. He made that shift now. Things are getting more serious. We might say today more deadly. In the Lord's first coming... He did not come to judge, but to save the world. We saw that in John 3, 17. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And he went on in verse 48 to say, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. Who is the judge? The word of God. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So we can make an excuse. Well, Jesus spoke those things to those Jewish people in that ancient time. Uh Uh-uh. It's for today too. The word is here. We got it all. The full revelation. So, when we look at such statements, people's excuses will not hold up against the words of Jesus. It won't. Even today. Those who reject what he taught will condemn themselves and receive fair judgment. Again, back in John, verse 31, 12, 12, 31, now the judgment of this world has come. And for, verse 49, he said, For I have not spoken on my own authority. The things Jesus taught were not things he made up himself or he learned from some rabbinic schools or from anyone else, but from the Father who sent him, has himself given me the commandment, he said. Pay attention to that word, commandment. It's not a suggestion. What to say and what to speak. And as the obedient servant and the son of God, he only speaks the things which the father commissioned him to speak. He spoke only the words the father gave him, which are unchangeable and the absolute truth. His words from the Bible will condemn people on judgment day. And moves on to verse 50. And I know that his commandment is is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So what's happening here as John is finishing up summarizing Jesus' ministry? Here's the climax. The bottom line of Jesus' teaching as a light of the world is to give eternal life. And those who refuse him wouldn't have eternal life. That's the bottom line. Jesus commissioned from the Father to give everlasting life to those who would believe in Him. Therefore, Jesus delivered the message as it was given to Him as a commandment from God the Father. When anyone violates God's commandment, there will be a penalty. You know how firm God was with the Ten Commandments He gave the Israelites? And what Jesus is saying here, this is a commandment. You violate it, that's it.
For the wage of sin is death, eternal life. How can we wrap some things up here? What, what can we glean from this portion of Scripture and apply to our lives? Here are some things to consider. Is the true light of Jesus radiating through us? Can others see the light of Christ in your life, in my life? How bright is our light shining outside the church, in your home, in the work areas, in the work environment? Are those socials we attend? Are we embarrassed to say that we believe in Jesus? Do we take a stand for him? Do we laugh and smile with the dirty jokes? Jesus said, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. If you are a lingering unbeliever today, saying that one day I will give my life to Jesus, but not today, be careful that the sun does not set and leave you in darkness forever. And if you have never trusted Jesus, and you sense the Spirit of God is speaking to you, do not harden your heart. Because the Spirit may never speak to you again due to a permanent hardening of your heart. You may conclude, I'm living a sincere and an upright life. I don't cheat. I don't rob anyone. I do not harm anyone. But I want to remind all of us that sincerity does not equal salvation. Sincerity does not equal salvation. And if you feel that the Spirit of God is speaking to you and would like to come in faith to Jesus Christ, you can do so in this closing song as it's been played. You have to come to Jesus with a childlike faith. Put the pride aside. Put the social status aside and come like a little child. That's what Jesus said. Tell him that I repent of my sins and for him to come into your heart. And when you do that, speak to one of the elders or one of the pastors. And they'll give you some direction how to grow in Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord we thank you that you came into the world as the light of the world. You show the brightness of God our Father and the love on earth when you came to die for our sins. And Father, we thank you so much that you keep us going on from day to day. Walk in the light and we will not stumble. In Jesus' name, amen.